Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. So this is a fun one. Okay. Ron, this is this is fun. This is finally. Yeah. Go figure. <laughs> we always right? have fun. So, as an adoption professional in the adoption community, you know, we always try to be politically correct. We always mm-hmm. try to say the right things. We don't want to offend anybody. And when we're working with adoptive families, sometimes we want to say things, but we don't. Okay. So we hold it back. Today, we're not holding it back. Okay. We are going to go there. Oh, I can't wait. Our goal is always successful adoption placements. Mm -hmm. We want all three sides of the triad to be safe, happy, healthy, enjoy their adoption journey. Mm -hmm. You know, adoption can be a very emotional topic and opinions can vary from person to person. I do think that people's opinions can, can vary based upon their background and experience and whether they have adopted, were adopted, placed for adoption, have a friend or a family member that fell into one of these three categories, and then Mm -hmm. the outcome of their experience. Because I think we are shaped by our experiences and influenced by others. Absolutely. So a single experience can throw shade. Isn't that kind of a good little lingo? Can throw Mm -hmm. shade. You sound like a teenager. I do. Towards another's (laughs) experience, whether it be negative or positive. Unfortunately, this can shape perceptions and create stereotypes. So I really want to break out of the mold, and I want to discuss those things that we sometimes have a hard time saying. Okay. I will say that experienced adoption workers, I don't know whether they've just had it sometimes, or whether they're braver or bolder are more likely to say some of these things than newer caseworkers. Okay. Maybe they, you know, have just seen Who it so much. Kind of walk on eggshells. To not some not only walking on eggshells, but they want to please more. They're, they okay. want to, you know, everybody to have a good taste in their mouth. Whereas social workers that have been in the adoption world for, you know, decades are more seasoned and you know, their skin's a little, yeah, jaded or <laughs> their skin's a little tougher. Okay. Uh, so here it is. The good, the bad, the ugly, no holds barred, nothing off limits and no secrets. Love it. All right, let's do this. First one, we want the adoption to be as successful as you do. Absolutely. We are working behind the scenes 24-7 to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make the adoption occur. We are crossing our fingers and holding our breath right alongside you. There are moments where we can't breathe either. And yes, we're holding back tears too. So when you're 
adoption isn't going as you want it to. And you're at the hospital and you've been asked to leave the hospital or something catastrophic happens and your worker steps aside. She's having as hard a time as you are. No, she's not as emotionally vested or as financially vested, but she's doing adoptions because it's what she believes in and what she loves. And it's still difficult on her too. So uh, number two, sometimes adoptive families can come across entitled. That is a real turnoff for social workers in the adoption field. We do believe the baby is the birth mother's child until she signs the adoption consents. 72 hours after the birth, or at least In the state of Arizona. Right, in Arizona. You're right. Right. And sometimes without realizing it, I hope, adoptive families will talk about the baby as if he or she is already theirs. And when that happens, they come across as being demanding and disrespectful Mm -hmm. to the birth mother. And we get very defensive because we want the birth mother respected just as we want the adoptive family respected. Now, do you think more so yourself because of your relationship with your birth mother? No. No, I think anytime you you see somebody who is disrespecting somebody else, whether it's an adoption situation or whether it's at the grocery store or whether it's between your youngest two children. I think you you get a feeling that everybody wants equity and justice and yeah. fairness. And you want to stand up for yeah. the underdog or Always. the person being disrespected yeah. or you know, belittled. or Right. Okay. Right. Where my mother would come into play, my biological mother, is <laughs> as a practice, I don't want anybody to be disrespectful to a birth mother in general. But I wouldn't want anybody to be disrespectful to an adoptive family either. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So... We are just as protective of the adoptive family Mm -hmm. as we are the birth mother. So when the birth mother has concerns or questions about her adoptive family, we make sure we discuss everything positive and reassuring. We want you to be successful. We want you to know that we do have your back and we would never do or say anything to jeopardize your adoption. Once a family is matched in our mind, that is the sacred bond. We want to preserve that at all costs. Mm. And so we are working 24-7 at our agency. We actually staff every uh, birth mother every week as a team and go through each case just to make sure that everybody from the case manager down to our front office receptionist knows what's going on, can be prepared, can be supportive. When people come into our office, our receptionist has been trained to greet them by their first name, and we want that comfort level. All right. And you want everybody on the same page. We do. We do. Because if you have a birth mother that's really struggling and she's having a very hard time and maybe she's not bonding with her adoptive family as much as you would like her to and she would like her to, you don't want her walking in and have the receptionist go, hey, I didn't get anything from your adoptive family this week for you. Sorry. You know, and so. (laughs) Being very nonchalant. Right. We want, we want, you know, her to be understanding and choose her words wisely. Mm -hmm. We do understand how important it is for a birth mother to go to her prenatal appointments. And yes, we are really trying to make them happen. Unfortunately, we are not always successful in getting them to their appointments. And we know that this is a huge stressor. Mm -hmm. But know that we are doing our best. Birth mothers attending medical appointments, some birth mothers are very good about it and other birth mothers are not. And some of the reasons are it's hard and it makes it real. Uh, some of them really shy away from ultrasounds because it's hard for them to see the baby knowing that they're placing the baby for adoption. 
Other reasons are they fear judgment from the doctor's office. So there's lots of reasons why birth moms don't want to go. Maybe they're not as invested in their pregnancy because they're not planning on keeping their baby. And so there are reasons why. So we do the best that we can. And we do know that this is a really big stressor for adoptive families. When we deliver bad news, like a birth mother has changed her mind, she has miscarried, or the baby has passed away, we dread delivering that news in a way that is indescribable. The entire staff is always supportive to the caseworker, but has to break the news. Sometimes there'll be two of us on the phone because the caseworker can't find the strength to deliver the news herself. I am on the phone some of the times that we have a situation that is so heartbreaking that the caseworker is concerned that she's not going to be able to complete the sentence because she'll break down. Nobody wants to be the bearer of bad tidings. Nobody does. And there have been situations that when it, like in a hospital that I've had to walk up to a family and deliver bad news. And I remember thinking this is very similar to how a doctor must feel after he gets mm-hmm. out of surgery and has to walk up and, and deliver bad, bad news. news to the family. Yeah. You just, you don't want to be that person. You don't want to be in their mind what they associate that bad news with. And that's really hard. You know, I have a strange story from when John was a little boy. He was probably three and we were at Easter with my family and he was getting really sick and he had been sick for a couple of days and we decided we're taking him to the hospital. We did. And the doctor said, it looks like it's probably just a flu that he's going to get over, but we're concerned about spinal meningitis. Okay. Oh, wow. And I would have fallen to the ground. Yeah. So he was recommending that we do the uh, spinal, tap. spinal tap to see just to make sure. And at that point, well, for a couple of reasons. I mean, if John had moved during this procedure, I had to literally hold him as well as a nurse and my wife at the time had to hold him still while this procedure is being done on him. And so for so many reasons, this was one of the toughest things I've ever done. And uh, obviously, it's also very painful for him. And we're holding him down while we do this. And uh, it, it everything obviously has come out fine. And he's 26 years old now, so I don't think it was spinal meningitis. But the next time that doctor had come around the curtain to where John could see him, John looked at him with tears in his eyes, and I'm getting a little choked up now. Oh, I can imagine. And he looked at that doctor, and he said, no, no, no. And it was just like, it broke my heart, because he associated that doctor with that pain, and so kind of the same. Nobody wants to be associated with that level of pain, because nobody is a social worker or a doctor because they want to hurt somebody else. Of course not. They want to do it because they want to help. They want to help. And so when we are giving that news, we're dying inside. Yeah. And... You know, as a parent, I can, you know, I've had lots of children and I I still do have <laughs> lots of children. And I will tell you that watching them go through something painful is the worst thing in the world. Absolutely. And you as a parent would rather take it a thousand times worse than mm-hmm. watch them go through it once. And so I, I get it. I, I know exactly. But yeah, when you brought that up about being associated with that, that's... That came into my mind. I hadn't thought about that in years. For sure. And how old was he? About three, I think. Oh, so he's a little guy. Yeah, very little. Oh, 
it, it's rare, but when a baby has been placed with an adoptive family and the birth mother does not sign the adoption consents mm-hmm. and has to be returned to the birth mother, nobody wants to take the baby back um, in terms of the adoption agency staff. It, it is to the point where, you know, we're not drawing straws because we keep the caseworker on the case that has a relationship. Yes, she's already developed that. But I often go out um, in most cases, and we have a team right now so where I don't have to. Again, it's really rare. I mean, it's not, it's so uncommon, but we do have a, a support system right now to where we have one worker that will stay with the adoptive family and then one worker that will take the baby and leave because in dragging that out, it's ripping apart everybody. Right. And one of the last ones that I did was still in my mind. I remember I went out with a caseworker mm-hmm. and she stayed with the adoptive family and the adoptive dad wanted to walk the baby out to uh, the car that I was leaving in. And he had the baby stuff and he was holding the car seat and he was walking out with me and my heart is breaking. I don't even want to look at him because I feel so guilty, even though this was nothing that I could have prevented or controlled. And very tall gentleman, I mean, probably 6'2", big guy. I think he was a firefighter or something like that. I mean, really, really big guy. And he brought the car seat out and asked me if he could hold the baby one more time. And so I took the baby out of the car seat and handed him the baby and he fell to his knees holding the baby, sobbing. And then he found some inner strength and he stood back up and handed me the baby back. So I'm putting the baby in the car seat and I realized that he has brought with him an additional bag of stuff that he had bought for the baby. And it wasn't like, I want to take these babies things and get them out of the house. It was, these are the baby's things that go with the baby. These Mm -hmm. are, we bought these for this child. And then he wanted to go over each and everything. And I'm watching this brave, strong man. Who can fight fires or whatever it is that he did, right. And he is forcing himself, as he didn't need to, to talk through his tears and go over everything when the baby had last eaten, when the diaper was changed. And I remember thinking that I don't ever want to be in this position again. I don't ever want to take a child away from another person. And I will tell you that when they got a, a placement, I think it was six to nine months later, and it it was successful. I was going to ask about that because, yeah. God, I needed yeah. a happy ending to this because I'm it was. breaking over yeah. here. Okay. And it was, it was one of those things that when <clears throat> I drove away, because, of course, you know, I, after he went over all the things, he leaned over and kissed the baby goodbye, and I... I'm driving away and I'm I'm shaking and I'm looking through the rearview mirror and he's just standing there watching the car drive away. And I remember thinking, I'm the worst person in the world. And and it wasn't anything I could right. have controlled. Of course not. And but I yeah. was the one taking the baby that away. That was associated with that. And yeah, that was that was really hard. So this is gratefully not common. Right. And And you have said before and this is kind of for the listeners that you will end up with the baby you're meant to have. Yeah. And, and I've so, never had somebody tell me different. Yeah. I I've never. Because I'm over here about to start yeah. sobbing for this poor guy that I've never even <laughs> right. met. Yeah. So. But I will say 
that I've never had somebody come back at the end and tell me that. Now, in the heat of the moment. Oh, I'm sure. When they're putting the baby in the car and they're kissing the baby goodbye. Like Have I said. Have you ever had anybody kind of lash out at you? I mean, not necessarily physically, but like in anger or in despair. Just kind of lose it in your direction, basically. Later, not in the heat not of the moment. At that not time. in that moment. Okay. It's just pure grief. It's just grief. Mm. I mean, raw grief. And it is, um, you know how when, when somebody does something and you had no part of it, you still feel guilty sometimes? Oh, absolutely. It was one of those situations where you feel so guilty, but yet it wasn't that anything could have been I done differently. Do right. But, you know, when, you, when you're walking out of Walmart and there's a kid getting arrested for shoplifting, you know, I'm looking through my purse thinking, I hope nothing fell in. You know, it's not... <laughs> It's not one of those things where, you know, I would never shoplift. Right. But what if something fell in my cart, you know what I mean, or my purse because it was, you know, open as I'm right. walking through the store. And so I'm panicking thinking, did I do something too? You know, and so it's one of those moments that you just, you learn how to sleep at night when you have days like that. Right. And yeah. again, thank God there's very few of them for you. So that's yes. good. Another thing that I, we want to tell adoptive families is we love to celebrate with you. When you send a picture of a baby at Christmas or just an update to the office, we all gather around and ooh and odd how beautiful the baby is and how amazing, you know, what amazing job you're doing, what good parents you are. We love to see those pictures. We love it. And we hope you'll adopt again. Uh, we really want you to be kind and respectful to the hospital staff. We work with these people a lot. When an adoptive family is demanding or rude to a hospital staff member, it puts us in a really awkward position because we work with these people day in and day out. Right. And we want And even to though be it's beyond your control what somebody else does and their attitudes and how they treat other people, yeah. they're still associated with you. They are. And, and so we want to show badly. you that we're supportive of you. Yeah. But at the same time, we have to be supportive of them too. We kind of feel like the man in the middle. Oh, yeah. And that's I hard. I think. When those situations go bad, we usually deliver brownies the next day. <laughs> Smart. Yeah. Because hey. brownies fix everything. That's a fact scientifically proven. <laughs> and lastly, when you go home with your baby, we're cheering you every minute of the way. We're doing everything we can to expedite you getting home, and we want you to begin your new and beautiful life. Hi, my name is Sherelle. I'm doing my adoption journey. It was kind of like a last minute thing to consider because I just, in my mind, um, me and my husband was going through some uh, issues, separation issues. Um, you know, we have three other children. Oh, still in denial. Oh, well, I'm pregnant again. But uh, I was still in my, I was in my first trimester and I knew in my heart I didn't want to abort my baby. So I was looking for other options. And well, my friend mentioned, oh, won't you Google and look for Dr. Chasey? So I did and it had uh, a journal one that was in California and then um, I kept going down the list, and then I found BAF, and then I called just right away. I think it was like 3 or something afternoon, and, and look, I called, and he was like, oh, yeah, you could come right now. We closed at 4 but you could come right now, and it was just like perfect. So we hired up and drove uh, to the office of BAF, and then I met uh, one of the agents here for the first time, and she, you know, uh, confided in me, I went through the process, just, so just let me know, you know, you know, hey, it's a good choice, making a good choice, and I've seen all the expensive and benefits of, you know, of the family and let me know that, hey, I, you know, I get to pick the family. So we was able to, you know, go down the line. I think we had three families to pick and we, me and my husband, he, 
uh, should I say, you know, this family kind of mirror like, you know, the type of lifestyle we are, cause we are family oriented, you know, and we, we like to travel and stay physically active and they look like they was doing all of that. And I read a little bit of their story and we went ahead, picked them and, you know, I would say from this day that I am happy with the decision I made that we picked this family. I only say it's a, a open job, I said there, I call them the extended family. You know, they got to meet my, my other three kids. They know who they are. You know, they communicate with us, send us pictures, you know, even little videos here. And they let me know, like, hey, you know, if you're going to the top, don't be afraid to, you know, send a message to me or reach out to me. So I, I love that because it does feel like they are an extended part of our family. We're not just, you know, giving our child here, you know, we'll see pictures here and there really a part of the family. So if anything, I said we, you know, we got a win-win situation and we put our child out there and know that he'll be taken care of and then we got blessed with another part of the family too as well. So I'm very happy with the decision I made and I'm glad that at the time, whatever emotional decision I was feeling my husband that I didn't agree with, agree, said, hey, let's just, you know, let go our child. Cause I was, uh, that decision was not an option for me. Even though we did have three ch other children, we was in a, a situation that could go left or right. I was stressing God, like, no, I'm not going to give a child either, you know, if we're going to find a family for him or we're we just going to toughen it out. And I was grateful because I couldn't be AF. They had counseling and let me know, hey, it's okay, you know, decision happens in life. They relax me, you know, because women, especially in that city, like all our emotions and hormones are like here, you know, you get anxious and worried, like, oh, what if? And it's helped me to relax and not think about the what ifs, but look at the positive, um, even cite positive affirmation, like, hey, you're a good mother, you know, you have three other ones, you're doing a good thing. And I love that, you know, and a lot of people don't say it, say it, but counseling is good. And like, some people get the wrong option by saying, oh, it's a mediator. But actually, it, it really is. It's more than just being a mediator in a situation. It's helping you um, emotionally and mentally, you know, stay stable. And I'm grateful for BF for that. They was there to emotionally support me. And even I was a little, I was upset at my husband at the time, grateful that he did come um, and was there to support me during my um, time for us, you know, um, to give birth to, to our son. And I'm grateful for that. I think I made a very good decision with that. So I love BF for that. They have been there to support me um, in many ways, not just um, emotionally to help make decisions with housing or finances. They they support you in all ways to make you feel that you're, you know, genuinely mean, you're important. I'm important. I'm not just a mother out there giving up a child. So I'm happy for that. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. Or you can call our toll-free number 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and started on creating an Arizona adoption plan or give you more information. You can check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption, written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me, Ron Rains. If you enjoy this podcast, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thanks to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time for Birth Mother Matters and Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.